0: Rashi explains to us that the menorah was lit from fire on the Mizbeach, which teaches us, firstly, a very interesting insight into how to interpret the Psukim. Secondly, an interesting halachic perspective on where the light of the menorah has to come from, and a great lesson in terms of the balance of our own spiritual development. From Pasuk the Pasuk at the beginning of our parasha, which says Eish tamid, that there has to be a permanent fire on the Mizbech that should never be extinguished. So, literally, you would think that that just simply is telling us that there should always be fire on the is Rashi quotes the words, Eish tamid, a consistent fire, and his Mephorish explains this. What it means is, Eish, bo that fire that the Torah describes and defines as a consistent fire, who, That is the fire that you use to go and light the menorah. Because when it comes to the menorah, it uses the same expression. That the goal is that you should light a consistent light on the menorah. So it's almost like a hekesh. It says tommy about the fire on the mizbeach it says tommy about the fire on the menorah that tells us the fire on the menorah comes from the fire on the mizbeach so, so therefore says rashi even that flame which is on the, the menorah also comes from the mizbeach that's rashi's comment now but pashas lentman at first glance it would seem that what rashi is teaching us is that Rashi is, uh, is addressing why it says the word Tamid over here in this Pasuk, because at first glance it actually seems to be unnecessary to have the word Tamid consistent in this Pasuk. Because, If the goal of the word Tamid over here is that we should know that the fire on the Mizbeach should burn and burn without interruption, it would have been enough for the Pasuk to say, the fire that burns on the Mizbeach should never be extinguished. Like an earlier Pasuk says, that the fire should not be extinguished. Obviously, if it should not be extinguished, I know that it has to burn all the time. So why do I need the word Tamid? How does the word tamit constantly and anything that we don't already know about the instruction of the Torah, that this fire should not be extinguished. That's why Rashi says, okay, the Tamid, of it has an extra word, must be referring to something else. Where else do we see a fire that is Tamid? Oh, the menorah must be relating to the Manorah. We see that the menorah is called a constant lamp. As that the lighting of that menorah comes from Esha We now put the story together and we say the lighting of that menorah has to come from this fire that is consistent, i.e., the fire of the Mizbeach. Okay, so that's what Rashi is doing, addressing the extra word Tamid in the Pasuk. Or so it would appear. The only thing is that's not so clear. Number one, Aleph. The entire context of this area of Torah is describing the Mizbech and specifically the nature of the fire on the Mizbech. Why now would we have a law that is related to the Menorah? We're not talking about the Menorah over here, not even in this parasha. So why would this be the place to learn about how you light the Menorah? doesn't seem logical. Ah, you're going to say, but there's an extra word here and we have to find meaning for it. Why does it say, Tomit? We can give a very simple explanation for that. That the Torah wants us to really have clarity about how important it is that the fire on the Mizbech is constant. And not only by telling us the negative, don't extinguish it, but also... In a positive way to tell us that the Darv Zain that the nature of the fire that burns on the Mizbech is that it has to be constant and never interrupted. And in fact, that's how That as the Eben Ezra, the Eben Ezra is from the one of the most leading commentators of the Pshat understanding of the pasuk tells us says clearly that the word Tomid over here is to teach us the consistency and the constant nature of the fire that has to be on the Mizbeh. so that's Pshat enough, why do we have to dig around and look for another meaning to the word Are ah, you going to say Rashi didn't make this up, he bases it on a Gomorrah and Yuma and on various other Midrashim is Dua, we know very well film because we've discussed it many times, as a film that even if Rashi should quote something from Chazal in his commentary, Mikra, that will always be because that particular interpretation is necessary from a Pshat perspective. Why is it necessary from a Pshat perspective over here to interpret that the word tomid relates to the menorah, which has nothing to do with the context of this discussion? Now, time Rashi does not introduce a commentary by saying, it is from Chazal, that implies that this interpretation is clearly necessary from a pshat understanding of the psukim so from a pshat understanding of the psukim for whatever reason tamid has to relate to the menorah and our question is why why would it why would you relate it to the menorah beyond that rashi previously explained in the previous pasuk then in the description of the mizbeach the torah actually used the concept of Making a, a hearth, making a place to burn fire, more than once. It says Al Moikdo Veisham Al Mizbeach Tukadboy VeHaEish al Mizbeach Tukadboy Eish Tomi Tukad al Mizbeach. Four different occasions where it speaks about igniting a fire on the Mizbech, including our pasuk vav. This pasuk we're looking at, and then he says Kulan Nidrosu BeMasechtay Yuma. They're all explained in Masechtay Yuma. SheNechru Rabbeinu Beminyan Hamarochi Shahu Yusham that there were debates between the sages of the Gemara how many. Pires, how many fireplaces were there on the Mizbeach? And when you look at that, you can see clearly, as the that that Pasuk that says that a constant fire, our Pasuk that we're analyzing, Pasuk Vav, that says that there has to be a constant fire burning on the Mizbeach, is talking about one of the four different fireplaces on the Mizbeach. Rashi says that. Why is Rashi now saying that a posok, which he, just one Pasek previously said, is to describe one of the fireplaces on the Mizbech, now he's saying that same Pasek is to teach us you light the menorah from the fire of the Mizbech. Why, why change your tune? Gimel Nochmer, and even beyond that, in our posse, after he says, Tomid refers to the menorah, he then says, Do not extinguish what? Not the light of the menorah, do not extinguish the light of the misbeh. So it seems like a kind of haphazard rashi and and very much out of place. So let's try another interpretation. It's not just simply that the word Tomid bothers him because it's extra in the posse. There are certain mafaroshim who give the following explanation, which perhaps would suit us. If you only look at this pasuk alone, without the context, just this pasuk about the burning of the fire on the mizbeach, so then you could say, is Rashi Rashi sees the pasuk in its simplest interpretation. We're talking about the fire on the mizbeach. That's how Rashi understands this posseh and its meaning. But, Rashi kumt no us from dem vortomid, do ba mizbeach, sfrannanop lenin go In addition to the fact that the posseh in, in its entirety describes the fire on the mizbeach, there is also the word tamid, which is an additional reference also to teach us about how you light the menorah from the fire of the mizbeach. And the the, the link is, because also the light of the menorah is described with the word tamid, that links it to this tamid, which is the light of the fire of the Mizbech. So you ignite the menorah from the fire of the Mizbech. Okay, so maybe that's the explanation. Rashi sees that this passage generally is talking about the Mizbech, and it's also giving me information about the menorah. Maybe that's the explanation. But that too has three problems associated with it it's difficult to explain that that's what Rashi is saying reason number one if that is what Rashi wanted to say that the pastor generally is talking about the Mizbech and the word Tomid is the link to the menorah Rashi would have used an expression that says from here from this word Tomit either our sages learned or we have learned that there's also a reference over here to the menorah he doesn't say that phase number two Rashi is matik from Pasuk Oich If Rashi only wanted to, to explain that the word Tamid links to the menorah, then only the word Tamid should have been the headline of this Rashi. But actually Rashi uses the words Eish tamed. Why is the word Eish in there? Oich Tait mit Oich Dem Varet and look at how Rashi explains it. He doesn't only explain the meaning of the word Tomid as inconsistency. He explains, shenemar He links the word fire to this word is 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 Tomid. In, in other words, Rashi is telling us that the word Tomid is actually there to describe the fire that is being spoken about in this Pasuk. And that fire, according to this interpretation, is the fire of the Mizbech. So how would it link to the menorah? Gimel Lastly, from our riches, alloshem bepirush Rashi. Rashi's elaborate language. Av he even the light of the Mizbe- of the menorah mi'al Allah mizbech ha'chitzayt to kod should also from the the fire of the external mizbech be lit. Rashi is clearly reading that into those words Not only the word tamid He's talking about the whole thing Because look how he says it So we're back to square one How does Rashi get from a pasuk that ostensibly Is just talking about the fire on the Mizbech Being a consistent fire that should never be extinguished To learning how you light the menorah? So there are other commentaries who say, well, there seems to be a contradiction between how Rashi says things in Pasuk hey, where he says there are four fireplaces and they are referred to by four psukim. And what he says in Pasuk Vav, that this Pasuk Eshtam is actually talking about the menorah. So some of the commentaries want to reconcile by saying as follows. As the Pasuk Eshtam is to misbeach, this pasuk that we're reading that says that there would be a constant fire burning on the mizbeach, in nit marochis was mizbeach, is actually not included in that in, in that conversation in masachta Yuma about the different fireplaces that sat on the Mizbeach. Nor men lent up alle from the but instead we learn all of the various fireplaces that stood on the menorah from the preceding Pesukim not from this pasuk. And the fact that Rashi said all of the marochas are described and interpreted in Yuma, is to work out how many fireplaces are on them. Rashi is only giving that to us as a hyperlink. That's where you look if you want to see where Chazal was speaking about. How many is how many fireplaces there were, and which Psukim teach us that. But Rashi wasn't telling us that "eish Tomu to Khadalam is actually one of those Psukim. We know Rashi is a lot more precise than that. About Piyadu, for Rashi is considering that we know how Rashi is so impeccable in his language usage. Is that tells you that this answer certainly cannot fly. If Rashi's whole intention was to give us an indication where you could find the conversation amongst Chazal about the Psukim that teach us how many Maroches there were, Rashi would have simply have said, you can find the whole discussion about this in Yuma, as he does very often, he wouldn't have had to tell us, look how many times it says, is harbei. He wouldn't have told us that they're arguing about the Marachis Would said it's all explained over there. You might go have a look. So we have to conclude that when Rashi tells us that there is a debate as to how many fireplaces there were on the mizbech, that is critical to what Rashi is trying to tell us. So what is trying is Rashi trying to tell us? The birboze, the real explanation is this. When you come across the word Tamid, it's not the first time we have encountered it. We already know it from other places in the Torah. So we already have a working definition of what Tamid means. The bir Bozeh, dem teichem from tamid, is Rashi Mephor freer by the Menorah. Rashi has already explained to us previously, when it comes to the Menorah, and we're described about the menorah, about lighting the menorah, and it says that that's got to be the halos ner tamid. Rashi explains over there what does tamid mean? Kol laila velayla Each night means that it is a constant light, it doesn't have to be lit 24 7. As long as it is regularly lit every single night, that qualifies as tamid. And he proves it, Rashi. Like we'll see later on in Parshas Binchas, Oilas Tomid talks about the Tamid offering that was brought every morning and every evening. It was only once a day, and yet it's called Tamid. And likewise, with a special Chavitin offering that the Kohen God used to bring, it says Tamid. It also says that it was Tamid, but even though it was only half a portion in the morning, half a portion in the evening, it wasn't constantly through the course of the day. So the word Tamid does not have to mean constant. It means consistent, always at the same time. Now that we know that Rashi interprets the word Tamid as regular rather than constant, then you cannot tell me that Rashi's interpretation is as the word "tumid" benidde dan kumayis zambinatumidius bizman if dem was the pasuk zotesh tokod loysiqbe. Well, then you definitely can't say that Rashi believes that the word Tamid in this pasuk is to add and to highlight the constant nature of the fire on the Mizbeach over and above the fact that you don't extinguish it. Because logic tells you the exact opposite. When you tell me that I may not extinguish the Mizbeach, that means that that fire has to burn 24 7 without interruption. That I learned from Loisirbe. It should never be extinguished. May never be extinguished. Oh, but the word Tomid, as Rashi has already taught us in Prashas Tetzave, could just mean it's regular, as long as that fire burns every single day. It doesn't have to burn the whole day. Or every single night. It doesn't have to burn the whole night. As we learn from Oilas does not have to be the full day or the full night. So Rashi does not see the word Tamid as a word that teaches constant. Therefore, Rashi has to say, okay, so I already know that you may not in, 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 um, extinguish this light, this fire. So what's Tomid teaching me? Tamid sounds like it's less than that. On the rashi pasuk tamid. Therefore, Rashi says the word Tamid there is a link to something else. That extra word Tamid is there to link to another concept of Tamit, that the menorah has to be lit from the Mizbeach, because the word Tamit does not suit the context of a constant fire on the Mizbeach. It must be talking about something else. With that in mind, we can understand why Rashi gives more information than we thought we needed. Now we understand when Rashi in, pa- in Pasuket, the preceding pasuk told us that there are many fireplaces referred to on the mizbeach, then he does a few things. Number one, Aleph he doesn't just make a statement that the Torah refers over here to multiple fireplaces. And then expect that we'll work it out because it says. He specifically numbers or lists each of the... So including our pasuk of Eish not from the word Tamid, but from the loisich be, that we'll learn it can never go out. And from the Eish Tamed, we'll learn that you... From the word Tukad, we'll learn that you have to put another fireplace, or at least according to some opinions. Number two, be, That's why Rashi gives us more information that the Torah specifically gave... Many reference to many fireplaces. Where zagna he could have just simply said he Could have just said four. He doesn't say it. He specifically says many. We'll see a little bit later why that is. Number three gimel v'as dem Not only does he say, and this is all explained in detail in the Sechde Yuma, but he adds to it. Is a motif, a key piece of information? That there's a running debate between the sages about how many fireplaces there were, in fact, on the Mizbeach. <speaking in Hebrew> because a big part of what Rashi wants to share with us over here is that how we explain h Tommy to Kadal Be hinges on which opinion we go with in the Gemara Yuma about how many fireplaces there were on the mizbech. What did Rashi say? Here, the Torah includes many possibilities of how many fireplaces there would be. So logically, if Rashi is telling us, logically you should imagine that every one of the fires that is being described over here must relate to the Mizbeach. So who is that? Which opinion would see it in that way? That all of the psukim over here speaking about igniting are all specifically speaking about fire on the Mizbeach. That would follow the opinion. in Yuma, who says there were four different fireplaces every single day on the Mizbeach. Over if there are four fireplaces, according to that view, is then that view would say is one of the four that allude to the four different fireplaces. and like According to that opinion, Rashi wouldn't have to worry about the word Tamed because it's already accounted for. It's one of the psukim that describes one of the different fireplaces that was on the Mizbech, and that's great. Okay, Rashi would have an issue, so what about the word tomid? Because he's already previously explained that tomid doesn't necessarily have to mean constant, so he would go with the opinion of the, the Ebenezer. That tomid is coming to highlight how much of an important thing it is that the fire is constant. So that's Rashi interpreting for the opinion in Yuma, which he specifically tells us we need to know that there are opinions in Yuma, and we need to know that they are specifically about how many fireplaces there were. And that's why he says, is that there were many, but he doesn't specify how many, because it's a matter of opinion. So according to that opinion, that there were four fireplaces, I don't have to explain because it's one of the proofs that there should be a fourth fireplace on the so, But there are two other opinions. One opinion is that there were only two fireplaces, the other is that there were three. So, for them, Rashi explains, there's another way that they could very comfortably fit within Pshat. Because as we already mentioned, certainly from Rashi's perspective, it makes a lot more sense to say as Aish Tomid, the menorah, that the word Tomid is not referring to the Mizbeach, because Tomid is a weaker expression than Loisihbeh. So it refers instead to another fire that is referred to Lahalis Ner Tomid, the Menorah, as Tukat Mel that the Menorah should be lit from the Mizbeach. Thus mikra. And that would be the simplest explanation and would accommodate two of the three opinions in Yuma. And that's why Rashi doesn't put a number on how many piles there were, because it's there are many, depending on who you look at. One opinion says two, one opinion says three, one opinion says four. So that's Rashi's explanation. It accommodates all the various opinions in the Gemara Yuma, which explains why he referred to the Gemara Yuma in so much detail. So now we know how Rashi interprets in Pshat this pasuk that Talmud is not an expression for how much the fire has to be on the Mizbech, but rather for how you use that fire to light the Mizbech, uh, to light the Menorah. Now that we know that, we're going to do an analysis. So we've now stated from Rashi's perspective an halachic principle, that you have to light the Menorah from fire on the Mizbech. Let's examine that halachic principle in greater detail. So one of the amazing halachic insights that Rashi offers us is in this particular area, and it speaks to a bigger concept. But in many halachas we have a question. Many areas of halacha have two factors that rely on each other. One, you know, almost as if one can't be without the other. So we always have the following question: the what is the cause and what is the effect? In other words, what makes the halacha a particular way and what is reliant on that principle in order for the halacha to apply. Now that might sound quite abstract, so the Rebbe is going to give us a very clear example. We know that on Shavuos, the only time that you brought Chometz as an offering in the, in the base HaMikdash, you brought the two loaves of Shavuos, is the mincha chadasha. So, the flour that is used for those loaves has to come from new grain. From the Tvur the new harvest, Pesach time. It's harvest time, this has to be the flour that is used from the new harvest. Prior to bringing those two loaves on Shavuos, you would not be allowed to use flour from the new harvest for any other mincha offering in the Pesach Okay, so what do we see? Two things that rely on each other. In order to bring a karban mincha from new flower, you need to have the two loaves in the base on Shavuos. Now the question is, which is the focal point and which is the supporting halacha? Say, so ask the question. What is the primary cause of this halachic um, interplay? Is the primary focus the two loaves on Shavuos? That the most important thing is that the first item that is brought in the base HaMikdash from new grain has to be these two loaves of bread. And then after that, you can do whatever you want. So practically, because these have to be the first two that are using the new grain, therefore nothing else could be brought until you have brought the two, the Shte'a One possibility. Or it's a completely different halachic status. In order to bring a carbon mincha from new grain, there has to be something that permits that grain to be used for mincha. In order to be allowed to bring a carbon mincha from new grain, you will have first had to have brought the two loaves from new grain. In other words, the fact that the two loaves of Shavuos are from the first grains it's not because they have to be the first two that are used with new grain but rather because they are the key to unlock all the other menachos to be used with new grain now this will have practical implications it will affect many areas we'll look at a couple areas number one let's look at a scenario what happens if somebody mistakenly brought a carbon mincha with new grain before Shavuos? So now, does that mean going forward, the, the, the rule has been broken, and now we can bring other menachos from the new grain? Or can we still not bring new menachos? We have to still wait for Shavuos, for the Shter so it depends on how you look at this. If the logic is that the Ste have to be the first product brought in the base amygdala with new grain, well now it's impossible for the Ste to be the first thing brought with the new grain because something's already been brought with a new grain. In the So now there's no longer a problem of bringing the next Mincha from new grain because you've already broken the possibility of the Shteya being the first items used with a new grain. And therefore go ahead and you can bring as many Minchas from new grains as you wish. But if the logic is the two breads of Shavuos unlock the possibility of bringing menachos from new grains. So you messed up with that mincha; you shouldn't have done it. But the ban is still in place for the next mincha. You may not bring the next mincha from new grain until those two loaves have been brought, because only they can unlock permission to to bring menachos from new grains. To bring from as long as you haven't brought the, those two breads of Shavuos, you haven't yet opened the green light channel to bring Manochas from new grains. So using that logic, where depending on what is the focal point of an Alachic principle, let's look at the story of lighting the Menorah from the fire of the mizbech. We could ask a similar question. Rashi tells us that you have to light the Menorah from the fire of the external mizbech. Now, is this a law in the rules of how to light the Menorah? As the Dav That part of the parameters of how the Menorah works is that the light of the Menorah must derive from the light of the Mizbeach. Or this is something that was discussed in the Torah in context of the Mizbeach and therefore it's a halacha that is relevant to the Mizbeach. In other words, From the Mizbech is where you have to find light for the Menorah. So what's the practical difference? What happens if, hypothetically, there's no fire burning on the Mizbech? Does that mean I cannot light the Menorah now? Because you told me that the lighting in the Menorah has to come from the fire of the Mizbech. So now there's no fire in the Mizbech. Do I light the Menorah or not? So, if it's a defining rule about the menorah, then a menorah has to be lit from fire on the Mizbeach. If there is no fire on the Mizbeach, you can't light the menorah because the rule of the menorah is it has to be lit from the fire of the Mizbeach. There is no such fire you can't light. But if instead, this is a halacha that is defining the role of the Mizbeach, the role of the Mizbeach is to ignite the menorah. So then, let's say there is no fire on the Mizbech for whatever reason, then there's no longer responsibility to light the menorah specifically from the fire of the Mizbech. And now you could light the menorah from any other fire source. Practical difference. So if you look at this at face value, The logical thing would be to say, this must be a law about a menorah. You're telling me how to light the menorah. So logically, it must be a halacha about the menorah. So if there's no fire in the Mizbeach, cancel the menorah. Because the fire of the menorah has to always come from the Mizbeach HaChitze. But when you notice that Rashi states this commentary in different language to how the Gemara and Yuma said it, what did the Gemara Yuma say? That constant file for the menorah that I instructed you says Hashem may not come from anywhere other than the head, the top of the Mizbeach That implies that it's it's a, it's a it's absolutely required for the menorah. Rashi doesn't do that; he changes and Rashi says. Rashi says also the light of the menorah comes from the fire of the Mizbeach. So Rashi implies that in his view it's actually part of the halacha of the Mizbeach that it has fire for its own purpose, to be the the fire of the Mizbech, and then In addition, it also has a role to be the fire from which you light the menorah. Almost like a secondary responsibility or secondary value. The truth is that the simplest reading of the Pesukim sounds very much like what Rashi is saying the fact that the Torah chose to teach me about lighting the menorah from the Mizbeach, not in the section that talks about the menorah, but specifically in the section that talks about the Mizbeach, that must tell me that it is part of the halachic status of the Mizbeach, not of the menorah. So, we've learned how Rashi interprets the words H. Tomid to Mizbech, and that it's specifically teaching us. Tomid is not a strong enough word to be teaching about the fire of the Mizbech being constant, so therefore it's teaching us about the Menorah, which also is called Tomid. And we've learned the incredible halachic insight that it is part of the parameters of the halacha of the Mizbech, and therefore, if you don't have access to the fire of the Mizbech, you could still light the Menorah. What could it teach us on a personal level? De and you could pretty much divide all of the implements in the base hamikdash and prior to that in the in the mishkan into two groups. There were those implements that were internal, inside the building of the of the in those days the and subsequently in the in the Heichel. like the menorah that was used, the golden menorah for Keteris, uh, sorry, the golden mizbech for Keteris, the menorah, the shulchan. And then you have another class of implements, which is essentially the Mizbechachitza. The Mizbechachitza may be other things like the cure, etc. In Of course, the whole concept of the Beis HaMikdash is supposed to represent the concept of how we serve Hashem, two groups, two categories of how we serve Hashem. There's the Avoidah Mitzahalain Bifnim, there's the internal work that each of us has, has to do with our own selves, our, our personal growth. And the avoid that we do outside of our own self, which is to reach and touch another Jew. to draw close those people who are outside of the precinct of the of the base, like the Mizbech, that was outdoors. And uh the Eden and Specifically in the Mizbeachin is where every Jew participated because every Jew brought carbonus over there. So everybody had a connection over there. And in that is the place where you took physical items of this world and you elevated them to have a connection to godliness. So there are two areas of Avoida that we all have to have Avoida with ourselves and avoida with others and by extension with the world out there. So you can make that even more specific. Lighting the menorah represents Torah study. And that's why when it comes to lighting the menorah, it says that it has to be a constant light because studying Torah is something which you have to do all the time. Whereas mitzvahs are relevant in certain circumstances and at certain times. So for sure, somebody who is fully dedicated 24 hours a day to Torah learning, that's for sure their tamid. If you have that constant engagement with Torah, you have a constant connection to Hashem. Therefore, can I Therefore, a person who sits and learns could have the following argument: er Here's a person. I, I'm in a, I'm in a holy environment, and I could be somebody who is this consistently lit menorah, illuminating the world. And for is constantly elevating. Definitely do to What I have to do with mitzvahs? I'm connected to Torah. I mitzvah even a mitzvah that is going to pass and I won't be able to get it back, like saying Shema in the morning or lulav and esrog on Sukkot or whatever. I don't need it. I'm connected already. That's what the person would think. If a person convinces themselves that they don't need the individual mitzvahs, they certainly will convince themselves. What I have to do with the rest of the world. And, and What I have to do with another Jew who, relative to my holy status, is out there in the, in, in the outside them so therefore we have a lesson in our parasha. As the darf What lights the menorah? You think the menorah is so holy, which it is, but what lights the menorah? The misbeach. And the external misbeh. Because we know that there is an internal, apparently holier misbeh, or at appears to be holy because it's in a holier space, which is to avoid the mit sich that represents the tremendous avoid that a person could do in their personal self-growth. But you don't light the menorah from the internal Mizbeach. Even though they're right next to each other. Even though that is the avoider of a very deep, meaningful connection to Hashem with a tremendous sentiment. That's not where you light the menorah. Not dafka for Mizbeach We specifically choose to light the menorah from the outer Mizbech. Besides that, if you look at how Rashi explains it, you'll see as not only do you light the menorah from the fire of the outside Mizbech, but the fire while it is outside on that Mizbech is already linked to the menorah's fire. In the meaning of from Abidh which basically means in practical terms, in terms of out growth and connection to Hashem, If a person who is dedicated to studying Torah wants the light and fire of Torah to ignite within his learning, then the first step is to be concerned, genuinely concerned that another Jewish person who is outside of the space of the Torah, outside of the space of the Beis HaMikdash, should ignite his neshama. And after you have ignited the light of that Jew who is so-called outside, only then can you really light the light of your own menorah, your own Torah ter- learning. And after you have ignited the light of that connection that Rashi highlights for us, the link between the menorah and the outer misbehag. So that you should care about what lies outside of the safety of the Mishkan. When you say Azaifil Nagea should care, should mean so much to you, as those vert nirimaz in unsapmetin varatomid that it is alluded to in our pastor's with the word tomid. The notion, the, the meaning, the, the message of Tamid, which means that to me the oil, the consistency. Of the avoider and connection of the person who's dedicated their lives to Torah study, what creates the permanence of a person's connection within the walls of the yeshiva? The challenges, or tackling the challenges, of what lives outside the walls of the yeshiva or the base amigdish in this case. And then when a person takes on the responsibility of having an impact on other Jews around them, that is what creates permanence and sustainability of a person's own learning. So everybody thinks if I wrap myself up in a closed space and I learn Torah, that's what will connect and that's what will give me sustainable Yiddish cut not at all. It's when you reach out and touch somebody else who's not privileged to have that experience, That consolidates your own experience after your learning.